Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Legg and Bryn Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partner in crime, Bryn Starnes. Uh, Chris is out this week, uh, and so because Chris is out, we get to choose whatever we want to do. Right, Bryn? That's right. Yes. And so um, we were kind of putting our heads together, seeing uh, what we wanted to do this week. And Bryn, um, I'll let you introduce uh, your guest, um, or our guest, but really it's your guest, and I'm really excited. Our guest, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when the I'm boss really is away, we invites the public school kid. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Um, no, I'm really excited. So this is like a longtime friend of mine, and um, his name is August Huckabee. And I'm going to do a brief intro of him. But August, I didn't realize, I was thinking about this the other day. I think we've been friends for like 13 or 14 years. Yeah, which is you're like one of the, the longest friendships i probably Thank have you in for my life. longest friendship not oldest friend that's oh yeah sweet. no yeah <laughs> <laughs> um no but i'm very excited and i we wanted to have august on for a couple of reasons um let me intro who he is and then i'll kind of go into why i wanted to have him on the podcast so august and i met right out of high school in a leadership ministry that we were both a part of and traveled the states together working with that ministry and um and then have been friends ever since. And, um, my husband and I have traveled to Colorado a lot to hang out with August since. And I always get myself into these situations where whenever Mason and August are hanging out and we're in, in Colorado, we always end up doing something that like makes me very nervous for some reason. Yeah. Just a little <laughs> over our heads, just a little. There's No. And it's always like, Mason and August together, I'm always like, you know, I, I think I'm adventurous, whatever. And then we always end up doing stuff that I'm like, okay, guys, I'm not this brave. Like we are <laughs> accidentally, we are accidentally off-roading the highest motorized pass in Colorado and we didn't plan to do this today. Or like someone <laughs> almost got bitten by a rattlesnake. I'm mm-hmm. like, I I don't know that I'm in right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're like just totally lost up some drainage somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that sounds like that sounds uh, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had good. we've had some good times. Um, but August graduated from Texas AM, Giggle Maggie's, and then got his MBA from Boise State. And then now he I may have this wrong, August, you'll have to correct me, but you're the faculty and marketing director for Worldview World Abbey. Mm-hmm. Abbey. Okay, which mm-hmm. is in Colorado. Yeah. And there and I'll let you um, tell your story and talk August. But one of the, a couple of the reasons that I want to have August on, other than he's a fun friend, August is very very versatile. He's he works with Worldview and Apologetics, but he also has a band, and um, is doing shows this summer. And he's a whitewater guide, whitewater raft guide. So, yeah. um, but other than just he's a fun person to talk to. He has been one of those people in our lives that is just. Um, always been curious about life and people and ask really good questions of others and is also a great thinker. And so he does the hard work to think through what he believes. And then I just remember in college, um, he was really good about asking me like why I believed what I believed and pushing me to think through my answers. And so he was that 
friend who, um, in a, in a loving way, but you know, a, a really challenging way would say, okay, that's great. You believe that. So tell me why and really push me to do that. And so that coupled with the fact that he has a lot of experience in teaching worldview and apologetics. Um, I just thought he would be an awesome guest for us to hear from just from his personal story and then what he's experienced teaching others um, about the things of the Christian faith and how to think well. So that's why I wanted to have August on man on the podcast. Thanks, Bryn. Yeah, but August um, just kind of want yeah, you can take it away. What wherever you want to start, I kind of ask you if you wanted to share part of your story and then go into your experience teaching, you know, worldview apologetics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a lot of ground to cover and feel free to chime in, ask questions if things don't make sense. I did try to write some things out, so I'll kind of talk from that a little bit, but, um, like I said, feel free to, to chime in. I just, I don't want this to be a lecture or anything like that, but yeah, my personal story, uh, as far as deconstruction goes, is that uh, um, when I hear the word deconstruction, you got to ask, right? The first thing you got to do is define terms, right? And it, what I've largely found to be the case is just that deconstruction tends to center around doubts, essentially. Um, and what I, I've talked to a few friends this week leading up to this, just asking them like, hey, what, what have you been your experiences with deconstruction? You have friends who've gone through it. Why have they gone through it? What's that looked like? And a lot of times it seems like what, what kind of happens is, you know, as young Christians, we start off on this framework or people who are maybe interested in the faith. And then um, basically something happens, like a crisis point happens. And what, what that crisis point is, is it varies widely, but sometimes it might be church hurt, you know, somebody in the church hurts somebody. Um, and so therefore they're like, well, that wasn't a Christ-like thing to do. And so I'm never going to go back there. Um, another one might be intellectual, like a, a lot of stories could be or that I've heard have been um, someone asking some sort of intellectual question or a, a college professor maybe challenging somebody that, hey, look, intelligent people don't believe in religion or intelligent mm -hmm. people like religion is only for the weak. So we've evolved past this. We don't need it anymore. And basically not having an answer in that moment. And so then feeling like there was this groundbreaking, ground shaking um, question that no, someone didn't have the answer to. And so they leave that moment feeling cut adrift, right? And not knowing if they can trust what they thought they had trusted their whole life. Um, so I think that's, that's at least the groundwork that I've found to be true. Have y'all, have you guys found that to be true in terms of kind of the pattern as well? Yeah, we have actually, we were talking about it, um, a couple episodes ago, but a lot of the, the stories that we've heard, I mean, you're right on. It's like one or the other. It's like, hey, yeah. which is why, you know, we kind of try to cover a lot of the intellectual questions. But then what we found, I think, is that a lot of times it is a personal crossroads where it's a personal story or something really difficult that happens. And um, and like you're saying, sometimes they haven't been given really good answers in the first place. And so when they yeah. hit that crossroads, it causes them to, um, you know, deconstruct. But like we've talked about, we also encourage everyone to deconstruct of like, we all, uh, Chris isn't here, but he, he says that people should have the problem with midlife crisis is that we don't have them often enough. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. this is like, we should, 
we should constantly be evaluating and and wrestling with the hard things in our life instead of just doing it once. But um, but yeah, I think you're right. Would you add anything to that, Colson? I think the the only thing that I would add is that I feel like a lot of people who a lot of the type of hurt that I feel like has happened to a lot of people early on in life has been that um, they had hard questions um, and yeah. in, in their, in their seeking of answers, they were not met with kind of a loving response and an encouragement to dig deep. It's been the opposite mm-hmm. of like, how dare you ask questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like an, there, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, whether that's, you know, the depth of that, you know, whoever's been asked their faith, you know, um, or just kind of a dismissive attitude, regardless, that is given the person or the impression on the person, it feels like, um, like this is just not worth me asking these hard questions. So later in life, it's like, well, I was never allowed to ask these hard questions. And so now it seems like, well, it's not worth it. So I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. wanna, I don't, yeah. and, or people come in, you know, growing up where they felt like they had to check their brain at the door. So there, there was yeah. no reason um, behind what they were believing. It's all kind of this blind faith. And so as you they, mean logic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so then mm-hmm. as you get to, um, you know, as you get further down or I, or it, or it seems like later on in life when people are like, okay, well, I'm, I'm an intellectual, I'm applying my brain to things. My experience, you know, whoever's is like, you know, well, I was told to kind of check my brain at the door, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to throw everything out. So that's, that's the only thing. And it kind of falls under that same umbrella though. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so that, that is going to get into one of the points that I want to make. So maybe we can revisit that here in a minute, but just to tell you my story for a second. Um, yeah, I've always, uh, I've always been a little bit of like a fringe kid, like the kid in the back of the class. I've always been the one who's kind of had intellectual doubts. Like I, just my personality type, I kind of had the ability to see both sides of a conversation. And so, you know, when you're young, you can kind of play devil's advocate and, uh, you can get into arguments just for the sake of arguments. Like we talked about with me and Bren, right. Mm -hmm. Where you can, you just like, and also I'm a youngest child, right. So I know how to poke people's buttons, right. Like I can just, I can sit there and do it. Um, I I said, you challenged me in a healthy way. You're the one that said arguments. Right. Right. I am very willing to admit that I've been annoying for most of my life. Okay. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I just think that, um, I've always kind of been that way and you can kind of see both sides of something. And so going to church, well, the big deal for me, honestly, was like, I didn't really have much of an intellectual awakening. I think in my faith until I went to a camp called worldview Academy. And that's a summer camp where we teach um, apologetics, leadership skills, and evangelism to high school students. And it was just this place that was really introduced to me that like, Oh, there is an intellect there's an intellectual life to Christianity. And there are people who have come for generations and generations who have thought through the logic and the reasoning. And even in more modern times, um, much more data of, of uh, the resurrection, right. And of how the church spread and all these different things from early scriptural times. And so for me, that moment when I was like 16 or 17 was this, this really unleashing of this, 
um, desire to grow in that way, because I think it, you know, not, not anybody's fault, but just the church that I'd been brought up in, it wasn't, you don't talk about that. Like it was a lot of very spiritually focused and not really intellectually focused at all. Um, and kind of probably often in a void from cultural issues, um, rather than like a lot of focus on how do you make yourself a better Christian rather than how do we apply mm -hmm. the Christian faith to things that are happening in our world today. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of where I was brought up in. So then it was like, oh, there's this intellectual side. So let's grow in that for a while. And I kind of went, studied a lot of apologetics kind of through my early high school years, late high school years into college. Um, I'm just going to brush past all this, but basically like, um, I think the big, the first real challenges to my faith, um, well, I mean, there's just been a lot through the years, right? And that's the thing I think about deconstruction is that I think I started out very much believing in a um, kind of intellectual framework of Christianity and that if I just made myself available and I had the faith, then I could become like a hero of the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. Like Gideon or Moses mm -hmm. or David, I could become that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you read Joshua one, nine, you know, be bold and courageous and like, yeah, let's go. Right. And, um, but then you get down the road and like, all right, I'm going to go work for this ministry, uh, or I'm considering working for this ministry, but like, I have an addiction. What do I do? Right. Or I am mm -hmm. going to work for this ministry for the first time after college. And I feel like I'm bringing new ideas to the table and I'm excited about it. And I just feel like I get shut down constantly and it seems mm -hmm. like it's much more about who's the boss's favorite than who brings a good idea to the table. It's like, well, wait a second. That's favoritism. That's not biblical. How can that be in a Christian ministry? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's just years where you where you kind of go through these experiences and you feel like, oh, maybe there's some leadership abuse that happens or maybe there's things within me that I don't have an answer for. And I feel like I can't control. So that goes into like, well, then do I really believe this belief system? Like, is this belief mm -hmm. system worth believing if it's not applied in Christian ministry? And if it's not seeing fruition within myself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I just think so, so that, you know, whatever you call that, that shadow of deconstruction has just been there for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me, it got a lot worse probably a couple years ago. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to graduate school, and while I was at graduate school, I had some family member had a I had a family member that uh, was unfaithful to their spouse that I was pretty close to, and that mm -hmm. just really shook me because it was like, man, they were raised in basically the same way that I was. They were, um, you know, I was raised on the same values as them. We were, you know somewhat close. So like, what hope do I have of ever making it or ever finding, mm -hmm. you know, happiness in marriage or happiness with a family, these things that like mm. Christianity really hangs a lot of its hats on. Um, if mm. people close to me don't have hope either, right. If they're going to get five years into their marriage or seven years into their marriage and then hate each other and be unfaithful. And like, how does that hopeful, right. Or promising yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just like a little bit of my story. Um, so the answer to that is like, all right, uh, I, when I was, um, 
in Idaho, I realized like, okay, I've, I'm, I've had a lot, I'm doing grad school classes. I'm like trying to get this band started. I had a part-time job. I had these crises happening at home. So there's just a lot of stress happening all at once. And so I don't know how, probably through a Ben Stewart sermon, um, <laughs> I decided I was going to go uh, to counseling. And so decided to do that. And that was great for probably like, probably like a month and a half, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And then um, I was trying to talk to this guy about addiction that I was struggling with. And he was like, well, why don't you just try giving into it? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, he's like, well, why do you really think it's that big of a deal? You know, if this is an urge that you have, why don't you just feel like giving into it and just try not to judge yourself? And, wow. and he was a Christian guy. Like he was recommended on Christian websites or on a Christian website to go see this guy. And wow. um, yeah. And I was just like, well, uh, because this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse say that you shouldn't do that. And I feel like I think that the Bible, not my body, is what is the thing that says what truth is and that I need to align myself with it, not just with my internal urges. Um, and he's like, well, I don't know. Rah, rah, rah. He just kind of like, you know, said, well, why don't you just try it? And, I, wow. and, I, and so I left and I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, because uh, and I'm really thankful that that happened because. Like what, and I, I've thought about this a lot since then, but I'm really thankful that that happened because it made me realize like, no, I believe the Bible and mm. these guys can tell me all this other stuff, but like, I, um, I just, I believe scripture. And mm. when it says when something is good, we like, we need to have something outside of ourselves to tell us what is good and bad and right and wrong. Because if it's just up to me, that's going to change right on a really regular basis or depending on what yeah. I've had for, for lunch that day. Right. Or yeah. whether yeah. I got a good night's sleep, you know, like it's going to change. Like my body is not a reliable source for truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really thankful that that happened because of, because I, I realized that like I, it was kind of a, you know, in the Southern Baptist way of saying it, it was a come to Jesus moment, right. Where you're just yeah. like, <laughs> Hey, this is, you can, you can choose to be centered on saying like, how will I know truth? Well, internally, mm. or you can say, how will I know truth externally from a source? And, um, yeah. yeah. And so that, that was really helpful for me because I think that awakened just this, uh, search, right. Of like, mm -hmm. okay, I was, I was kind of given counsel to go do this apart from God. And I immediately could like I just knew that there was a hollowness to it. And mm -hmm. so I, I didn't even want to go down that road. And so I, um, I feel like point for me to actually kind of return and say like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to find, I'm going to go deeper into um, learning about myself kind of from a scriptural lens, almost like a, a biblical counseling perspective, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, I think ever since then, um, Ever since then, it's still not easy, right? And there's still sin in my life, and I am, uh, I'm just a, a person who needs grace every single day. And but I, I know what I believe, right? And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to walk through that and try to, 
try to show that for other people because I'm not perfect and I'm not, I don't have everything figured out. And, um, I'm, I'm not even your, like, I don't even do all the things that people would say a good Christian is supposed to do all the time, but I try to. And I, um, and I do know what I believe in terms of, uh, who Jesus Christ is and what the resurrection meant for me. And I think that that's anyways, that's, yeah. we're getting all, I'm a little off track. I'm rambling now, but that's kind of where my, Man. my testimony I mean, you're got. talking about the gospel. That's not off track. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But um, I think that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Do you mind if I, I interrupt real quick? Cause, cause what you were talking yeah. about, um, kind of those two, those two big things, uh, at least that you were mentioning kind of the, the person who was kind of a staple or a pillar in your life. Um, and maybe, maybe you wouldn't classify them as a pillar. But just the in, sure. the infidelity um, aspect of like, gosh, okay, I think that's really relatable. And then also the counselor, you know, you, you're saying, what do I believe? What what I feel like Chris says a lot um, as he speaks is we need to deconstruct our faith in humanity. Um, and I feel like that and ourselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that's a huge part of it is like. It, until you are met with those crises, sometimes you don't realize how much, um, how much stock you do put into yourself or you put into other people who are not, um, who are not, you know, the, the savior of who are yeah. not your savior. Um, and because, right. because of that, it's like people are going to fail you. And so, um, so yeah, I think yeah. that that's really relatable. And then I, I really liked what you were saying of my body's not a reliable source of truth. I think that's such a countercultural thing today too, of like, of the whole, yeah. uh, the, you know, hyper individualism, my truth, um, you know, part of our culture yeah. that I feel like that that's really cool that you were saying that, but I was also like, as my, my questions kind of come from, okay, as you're going through this crisis were you were you still involved with the body of Christ do you did you go through any any point of isolation because I feel like that the a lot of those things kind of go hand in hand of like um yeah you know and so I don't know I don't know what that looks like for you and I and I know that like some parts of Colorado are are a little bit more spiritually dry than let's say where we are right now in the you know, the, the middle of the Bible belt, you know, or the buckle of the Bible belt, as right. some people say. So I right. don't, I don't know, but what is, what does that look like for you as you've been going through this? You mean like closeness to community? Is that kind of what you're, yes, what you're exactly. exactly. Yeah. Cause I feel like some people yeah. who have talked about deconstruction have really distanced themselves from any sort of challenging thinking or any sort of, uh, what they believed is true. And then kind of, uh, deviated to where it's like, okay, I'm going to find people who have kind of affirming voices. And then it's like, man, I'm, I'm way, I'm in a way different place surrounded by way yeah. different people than before. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I went through probably a short period of that when I went to Boise. Um, like when all this stuff was happening, I was kind of put in my first, I was, I was literally in my first situation outside of my undergraduate degree where I wasn't working for a Christian ministry. Uh -huh. Right. Uh -huh. So it was just kind of this, um, for, for a while. And I, and honestly, like I went to Boise kind of being burned out. 
um, on ministry stuff, like some of what I was talking about earlier in terms of just the politics uh, that had been going on. I, I went up there partly to kind of get a break. And so, uh, so when I first moved there, yeah, I didn't get super plugged into a church right away. And then I tried to, I tried to get plugged into a small church that was kind of a, I think it was an Acts 29 startup. Mm-hmm. And I got told, Hey, we don't want you on the worship team until you go through our membership class. And I was like, well, okay. So when's the membership class happening? And they're like, well, it happens once a month. I was like, okay, uh, when, when's the next one? I was like, well, it was last week. Uh, and then I was like, well, when's the next one? And then they, they're like, well, we're not sure yet. We'll have to let you know. Uh, and so I was like, okay. And then like two or three weeks later, they're like, oh, a membership class this afternoon. I'm like, like this afternoon, <laughs> like I'm supposed to cut three hours out of the Sunday that I'd already planned to go do some other things and have obligations for. And you yeah. never told me. Um, yeah. so, and then on top of that, I found out at whenever I went, finally got through the membership class and these interviews and everything else, there's a buddy sitting next to me who was on the worship team. I was like, Hey, what are you doing here today at the congregational meeting? He's like, Oh, I'm being confirmed as a member today, just like you are. I was like, wait a second. So you've been on the worship team for the last four months and you weren't a member. How is that possible? Because that's what, not what they told me. Um, inconsistency there. Yeah. Inconsistency and disorganization. And it was just, it was a a frustrating experience. Um, Yeah. yeah. So that was all happening on top. And then, But then like the second half of my time in Boise, I got plugged into an amazing Christian church and um, there was a worship pastor there who really took me under his wing and uh, I asked him to mentor me and he did. And so there was just like all this stuff happening. And then um, I don't know, I'm rambling a little but like, but the Lord did provide somebody to talk through Mm -hmm. some of these things with me. It just took a little while. Um, but I, I'll say like kind of from a more of a meta perspective is just that, um, you know, I think I heard the guy you had on last week um, just talking about how his parents had helped be intentional about what the church was. And I don't um, think my parents did this on purpose, but I think the church has always been like a pretty safe place for me. And so for me, it's always been like, even if people are not treating me well in some ways, like I've seen a good church, you know, like I, mm. I grew up in a pretty good church and, um, and it was, a, it was just a place of safety for me. And I knew if I could find the right group of people, there would be people who apply their intellect to the Christian faith and you could have mm-hmm. good deep conversations. And so it just took a while to find that, I think during that season of life, but, um, so- yeah. It sounds like that helped because I know, you know, for people who haven't had that experience, sometimes it's hard to disconnect the way that believers or like nominal believers have acted, you know, like even like that counselor, even if he was a Christian, like it sounds like you were able to like separate when Christians weren't acting like Christ or like following scripture, yeah, um, not like lumping it with the whole church or, you know, whatever it is, but uh-huh. yeah. um but I, that's crazy though. Cause last week we were talking about, or I don't know when this is going to post or drop, but, um, we were talking about how a lot of times it's easy as Christians just to take secular ideas and phrases and slap a Christian label on them. And it sounds like that's what that counselor was doing of like yeah. the whole, like Coulson was saying the whole radical autonomy concept of like, 
you know, you know what is fulfilling and what's going to make you happy. And it's like, wait, that's like, that's straight from the world, not from scripture, like you're saying, but yeah. Um, what are, so where I have a question, just what was it like going through a season of like wrestling and struggle after having been someone who has like realistically walked through a lot of that with a lot of other people. So you've taught like worldview apology. I'm sure at some point you've walked through hard questions with other people um, or struggles or addictions. So what was it? I'm just curious, like, what was that like having to wrestle with that in yourself after having been someone who's like an authority in other people's lives in that way? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think that like at some point, even as a Christian leader, I had to come to grips with the term that I'm still a sinner. Right. And that I can still make mistakes um, practically and personally, and I can make mistakes in intellect. I can make mistakes in spiritual coaching. You know, I can make mistakes in the things that I say. Um, and so I think going through that, you know, like there is a, as a Christian leader who's dealing with some of those things, there can be a stark loneliness to it, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you feel like if you, um, if you talk to your superior about it, you might get fired, right? Or if you Mm -hmm. talk to a peer about it, they might report you or, you know, it just depends on what you're going through, but Um, there's, and, and I get it. Like, I think in some ways there are, there, um, I don't know. I get it. Like, like students, especially at a high school summer camp where I would work and teach sometimes like parents are entrusting you with their kids and they, that has to be like a safe place as much as possible. Um, and so you have to be really cautious about that, but, but at the same time, if there's, if you don't have an avenue for that outlet, then it's, it can be really lonely and difficult, Mm -hmm. Um, difficult, but, um, but thankfully, like, uh, I've had some good friends, like just in my years of working through ministry, I just have a few friends who, if I'm like, if I'm struggling with something, I can go and talk to them. And it's not like a cliche accountability partner thing. Like I was trying to be a part of accountability group in college. It was the worst experience ever. Um, it was mostly just really awkward and no one was being very honest about anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but then it's like, Hey, you have friends that you end up spending time with. And, you know, at one point you just, you get to a place of such desperation where you're willing to say like, Hey, I just really need to like talk to somebody about this. Yeah. Um, I'm really having a hard time and, and you don't even have to tell all the details, but just the ability to like have someone pray for you and the, the ability mm-hmm. to have someone hear you, um, yeah. is super, super helpful. So mm-hmm. I, I had yeah. probably two friends in the last six years, maybe three friends that I can literally do that with anything and mm-hmm. they're not going to judge me. Uh, they're just going to listen and they'll they will be trustworthy with the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really thankful. No, I think, I think that's awesome. And I think that's really encouraging because that's something that we keep coming back to, even as we've like worked through the hard things that's happened in like the greater church body. And like, you know, you see Christian leader after Christian leader, just have colossal falls, you know, over and over again. And we've like talked yeah. through like the things that you're saying of like, 
we have to be able to admit that we're sinful, we're broken. It doesn't matter what position or or whatever that you find yourself in. Like we have to be able to ask hard questions and show that vulnerability. Um, because the minute we start pretending like we have it all together and the minute we start pretending like we don't have doubts or, um, or even worse, when we start, um, isolating ourselves and not being vulnerable with anyone because we're in a place of leadership or because there's like pride involved or whatever it is, like that's often what prompts like years and years of something happening where, um, um, you know, that ends up being these scandals that we see, but all that to say. That's really encouraging because I think it's hard to do that well. I think it's once yeah. you find yourself in a place of um, all these people know me as this, or I'm in a place of leadership, or people mm-hmm. look up to me, or like whatever the situation is. Um, I think it's hard to get to a place where you're you're willing to admit, like, "Hey, I'm broken. I'm sinful. I none of us are beyond anything," and that's like a really um, that's like a really powerful place to be, but it's hard to get to that place yeah. vulnerability. And, um, and then it's, sometimes it's easy if it goes on so long, sometimes it's easy just to turn and be like, I'm done with all of this because the yeah. vulnerability is too hard. Yep. Right. And the, then the continuing struggle, I think is too hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had a couple things I wanted to, to talk about. I don't know if we, yeah, go for, time. Um, yeah go for it. But so in in talking to some people who have had friends go through deconstruction or who have gone through some deconstruction themselves, I think we're hitting on a lot of good things here. Um, I did. I think first people want to know that they're hurt. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Like people want to know that they their concern will be taken seriously. And um, I think blowing off. Uh, yeah. And so I wanted to like one point that I really wanted to make is to challenge any leaders who are listening to this or anyone who's listening, who's had a bad leader, maybe, but um, Mm -hmm. I want to speak to church leaders and just say like, look, if you outlaw a conversation topic, um, you plant seeds of dissension immediately. I mean, immediately. Mm. Um, And I think that's just because look, if you're, if you're dealing with high school students or individuals or, or whatever the situation is, and you say, no, we will not talk about this, whether that's dating or sex or alcohol or uh-huh. anything that like high school students are going to start to be exposed to uh, whenever they're getting into their their later years. If you just outlaw it, what you're doing is you're closing down the opportunity to give them the wisdom that you have. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and oftentimes that that outlawing is because it is. Um, an unwillingness to show the vulnerability of yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. I've had some mentors who, <coughs> excuse me, one sec. <laughs> they don't want to talk about these things. I've had some mentors who don't want to talk about these things because they've struggled with them in the past. Right. Mm. And so the trying to navigate something wisely is a really daunting task for them because it consumed them when they were younger. Um mm. But the fact is, <clears throat> if a student isn't educated from their mentor or whoever that leadership position is, they will be educated from somewhere else, right? And yeah, that's kind totally. of what that's what we're talking about with with some of the changing community groups from like Christians to non-Christians or whatever, is that somebody tried to ask a question, 
they didn't get it. They got shut down. So they're going to go somewhere where they can ask that question. Um, right. And that, that may be Instagram. It may be YouTube. It may be, right. It may be a book or a movie, or it may be a friend's house, um, but they will be educated on it somehow. And so when you shut down <clears throat> the opportunity to talk about that, you shut down that opportunity to teach wisdom. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I just want to challenge people that if you've had somebody shut you down before, um, number one, it's probably because that leader was not willing to be vulnerable in that way. Um, or number two, it's just, yeah, they just missed out on an opportunity. And that's not good leadership, mm -hmm. frankly. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it like presents the idea of like, if you're a certain level of Christian, all these things are off the table, which is like not the gospel at all. <laughs> right. Right. It's crazy. I mean, if you think about like, if you just think a little bit um, about the Bible, <laughs> I mean, David was a murderer. Right. And he doubted all the time. Uh, Gideon yeah. was a doubter constantly. And frankly, he was a pretty big coward who had to constantly just be reaffirmed in what God had clearly told him to do. Um, Abraham lied about his wife being his sister multiple times, right? And it's just like, who are these people? <laughs> it's yeah. like, the heroes of the faith. Um, yeah. And so, like, I just think the point is, like, look, if, you're, if you have doubts, if you've got questions, it's like, welcome to the table, right? Um, mm -hmm. not only do all these modern people have doubts and questions, but all the people in the Bible had doubts and questions. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like not a foreign concept. And it, it's amazing. Yesterday, um, yesterday I went to church up in Fort Collins with a friend and, um, the Bible passage they opened with was Matthew 28. And you're just like, Oh, Matthew 28, 18. That's the great commission, right? Everybody mm -hmm. knows that one. But if you look just before that, uh, Matthew 28, 17, I'm going to back up on another one. So start in Matthew 28, 16. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had directed them. And when they, when they saw them and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth are given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right. And it's just like right before this seminal, foundational verse it's like this is a resurrected jesus standing with his apostles and the byline is they worship him but some doubt it and it's mm -hmm. like wait what 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 like this guy's standing in front of you you know like yeah. you saw this guy crucified now he's standing in front of you mm -hmm. and the thing that the bible wants you to remember is like hey they worshiped him but some still doubted like jeez um yeah so i just think like yeah, if you're if somebody's doubting, like welcome to the table. There's that's not a taboo mm. thing. It's not an unfamiliar thing in scripture. Mm -hmm. um, David in the Psalms clearly doubts. He he doubts God working mm -hmm. in his life. He doubts God's uh, plan for his life. He doubts whether God has His goodness in mind. Like all these things, mm -hmm. um, it's not a foreign concept. That's so awesome. uh, yeah, the last thing I wanted to say is. Um, there's a great book called Gentle and Lowly. I know it's really popular mm -hmm. right now, but um, it's a really great verse or a great book, I think, kind of on this topic. Um, mm -hmm. And a really big point that it's made that I think really struck home for me was like God's glory is made larger in my weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. 
God's like, if God exists, you know, there's a whole theological construct to this, but like, if God exists for his own glory, if, then my weakness actually heightens that glory. Um, my needing mercy and needing grace extends the goodness of who he is. And it's not like he's a teacher who's just looking down to punish me saying, look, you're taken away from the good that I'm doing on earth, which I might be, but the good that he's doing on earth is also him working within me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, um, that's just a really, that's been a really powerful thing for me to remember during some of these things is because uh, you don't have to have it all together to be a Christian. You don't have to have all the answers to be a Christian. Um, mm -hmm. You just have to know that you need a savior, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think a lot of us, um, I mean, there's some resources I could give if you don't yeah. know that, but. Well, and that's, that's, that's what, that was yeah. my next question for you, August, was you, you did such a good job of explaining that, yeah, doubting is not wrong. And there is a place for you with all believers if you're mm -hmm. doubting because we're all in the same part. If there's somebody listening, though, who is dealing with doubt for the first time in an honest way, or they're kind of helping shepherd somebody um, through that kind of initial, like, fearful moments of, like, wait, okay, wait, what, what do I believe? And is this, is this something I can stand on? What would be your encouragement, um, for that person who's going through it for the first time? Like if you're going to have a conversation, what would it be? Yeah. Um, well that kind of brings me to my second point, right? Which is the first point being people want to be heard, right? And if you're willing to listen to them and actually, you know, uh, take, take their concerns seriously. And, you know, um, then I think people are willing to open up and be vulnerable and they'll mm -hmm. often mirror vulnerability that you show in that process. Um, so first they want to be heard. And then second, I think if people are really working through something, honestly, my question is, well, uh, okay, you're, you're wrestling with some of these things. How do we know what truth is? Right. And just mm -hmm. start there. Right. How do we know what truth is? Um, because if you don't, if you, if you're at a point where you're saying, I'm not sure I can trust the Bible, uh, then there are books written on that. Like why yeah. the Bible is trustworthy, um, the history that goes into it, how it was created, um, that are these awesome wells of knowledge regarding just apologetics, right? The defense of the Christian faith that you can go and explore. And, and I would really challenge people to do that. Like if you feel like you're in, your hangups are intellectual, then don't, then don't, uh, don't hide on intellectualism, but you got to do the work, right. And you got to be yeah. willing to actually go find the answer. Um, so a couple, couple resources I wanted to say, uh, a book that really meant a lot to me was Lee Strobel's uh, the case for Christ. Um, it yeah. was a very, uh, clear pouring out of just facts of like, this is what happened around the resurrection. This is what a crucifixion was. This is why it was impossible for Christ to have just uh, fainted and then woken up three days later, or this is why it was yeah. impossible for him, for the disciples to have stolen the body. I mean, even within the Bible, there's no logic to that idea. Um, and so, mm -hmm. so being willing to kind of look for that. So uh, Lee Strobel's the case for Christ Eric Metaxas, this is a little bit of a more modern book uh, called Miracles, and it just talks about 
the kind of the case for a creator based on the statistics of our existence, right? The fact that the earth is on the axis that it is and the correct distance from the sun is like mm. a crazy statistical analysis that that would even be possible ever by chance. And the fact that there are like more than a hundred, more than that, probably a um, hundred criteria for life to even exist. Um, yeah. Just the fact of saying that it's random chance is, is basically impossible. Um, so that's a really great one. And then a good author I've actually haven't read, but I've, I know he's great reputation is Sean McDowell. Uh, he has yeah. a book called apologetics for a new generation. Um, so look, so, so I would say number one, right. If somebody is in that area, you, you have to ask the question of how are you going to establish truth, right? How are you going to establish, how do you know what you know, um, your epistemology, right? That's the big word for it. Um, yeah, how yeah. Gonna, yeah. How are you going to establish, how do you know what you know? Um, because if you're just going to look into yourself, then how do you, how do you rectify the fact that sometimes you change your mind? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. And if you're going to look outside, uh, and say, well, it's majority rules. Well, has the majority ever been wrong? I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. some ways to think through these things, uh, where you just say, how do how do you know what you know? Um, yeah. And if you're willing to give the Bible a shot, then I think there are some great resources to undergird the strength of Scripture as being trustworthy from a historical, um, from the artifacts that have been found, and from a logical point of view. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's kind of where I would start. What do you think about that? Is that too intellectual for you, Colson? No. <laughs> or Brent, sorry. Not at all, man. I think I think that is no, really I think that's great. Awesome. Well, that's actually like one of the things that we've talked about a lot is like don't, uh, removing a lot of the fear that comes from crisis of faith or life of like, hey, like you're saying just because you're having this question for the first time, most likely you're not the first person to ever have this question and you're not the first person to think through it. And there there are people who have gone before you, but like you're saying, you have to do the work Um to not only deconstruct, but also reconstruct what you do believe in why. And I think that's perfect. That's exactly what we've talked about. Um, Colson, is there anything that you were adding, where you're going to add? I had an unrelated question. So, Brent, if you have any related questions, can you tell me about this? No, I think that's awesome. Can you you tell me about this majestic mountain goat that is in a frame behind you? Because <laughs> I've been looking at it like, oh, did he draw that? Like, oh, yeah. So it's actually one of my best friend's wife uh, drew that. So she did that one. There's an eagle oh, face nice. over here that she did as well. So I think she there's a bighorn sheep that's in my house too that she did. So, anyways, yeah, she's she outfitted me with all these. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and the other thing was, what's the name of your band? Uh, it's called West Rock, W-E-S-T-R-O-C-K, West Rock. It's all one word. But yeah, we have one album out. We're working on our second one right now. It should be out in July. And um, yeah, it's been really good. We've, I've been really thankful to, to be able to play music this year. Nice. So, Are you touring anywhere? That's awesome. Colson is our, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was. Uh, yeah, not, not, so we just tour regionally. So we kind of tour within Colorado. Um, I'm really hoping in like, uh, October to maybe get a run down to Texas when it kind of cools off a little bit can kind of do some fall parties down there. Um, but we'll, we haven't toured much outside of 
Colorado and Wyoming yet right now. But but yeah, we've had we've got seventy shows on the books for this year. And did you say seventy? Uh, yeah, and we've um, opened for four or five Nashville acts. So we're we're working hard to to kind of get going with it. Yeah. That is awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, That's thanks. so fun. Well, I know we could, I feel like we could just talk forever on all, a lot of these topics, but I, yeah. I really appreciate, um, I mean, your vulnerability and you just your wisdom and, um, your, you know, years of, I've just always appreciated that about you. You like, you think, well, you're honest, you're vulnerable, um, and you push others to do the same. And that's why I was really wanting to have you on. And I'm really thankful for what you shared and i hope it's i know that it will be encouraging to others mm-hmm. as well but yeah awesome yeah thanks bryn i'm i'm really excited and i'm thankful to have been on the show too i put on my instagram last week whenever you asked me to be on it i was just like hey you know does anyone have stories of deconstruction they'd be willing to share and i wasn't yeah. able to talk to many of those people before this interview yeah but um i am supposed to be talking to them in the next few days and I'm just really That's excited. Cool that they reached out though. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm really thankful that this created an opportunity to at least have a conversation because it's people who are kind of across the country that I've just mm-hmm. kept up with on social media or whatever. So yeah, it's it's yeah. already been fruitful just to just to start a conversation. So that's awesome. Well, that's our hope that it sparks conversation and continues that. So yeah, thanks. Thanks. We love having you on. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers.